folks, uh, and welcome to Jersey the Independent Rangers podcast by fans for fans, where all your content is absolutely free. Coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. Uh, my name is Alec Anderson. I'll be your host this evening, Friday the third of February. Uh, as we discuss Wednesday's impressive win over Hearts at Tynecastle, we're going to delve into the, the plastic controversy surrounding the Alfredo Morelos taunting the, the Hearts fans. We'll briefly review the, the health of the squads after Tuesday's closing of the transfer window, where we look at Nicholas Raskin's very impressive uh, media reveal earlier today. And we'll preview tomorrow's Premiership encounter uh, with Ross County at Ibrox. Before I bring in a very special guest who's going to help me discuss all that. I'd like to mention our very special sponsors. Uh, Forest Precision Engineering, established in 1983, is a leading precision engineering and special purpose machinery manufacturer. They're based in Glasgow, but their services in precision engineering are available to companies all over Scotland and throughout the UK. They're leading manufacturers of special purpose machinery for a range of applications, and their website is at forestprecisionengineering.com. Uh, they're big friends of Rangers. And as you probably know by now, they've got a stunning new hospitality area within the Ibrox main stand. Uh, I've seen photographs of this. It looks absolutely lovely. Uh, for information on how to book the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a unique and intimate space, email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. And quickly, if I can, before I go any further, I must mention Alan, uh, a chap I bumped into in New Edmiston House uh, after the game last Saturday, who was absolutely lovely uh, about the pod, uh, how much he really enjoys it. And just to say to Alan, really loved our chat about uh, Seville and, and, and everything surrounding that. Um, I'm also aware that I told uh, in the post-match pod last week um, that I'd met a chap called Alec before the game. So I don't want him to think I'm, I'm, I'm making this up and I'm just going through the alphabet. You know, if there's anybody called Bill or Barry that wants to talk to me tomorrow, can you maybe just hang on a week, boys? You know, because it's going to start looking uh, really dodgy. But it was brilliant to talk to Alan. And uh, now to bring in my, my, my guest this evening, a man who was watching the, the NFL uh, the last time he was on, if I remember correctly. So I've got to ask you, Stuart, um, Tom Brady... Are those the kind of wages you'd like to be on when you you move into when you're working you've been working in the media? Do you think he's going to make more in a month than you've made your entire career? Uh, I couldn't. Uh, uh, to be honest, I couldn't take the reduction. So I'm <laughs> um, I'm kind of. But uh, can you give me a can you give me a shout some sometime when you get on to Zachariah? If there's anybody at Ibrox called Zachariah or Zeus that you could you could say, and I'll, I'll be quite impressed. Then if you get through the entire alphabet. That's it. I think by the time we get to Zebedee and Zachariah, it'll just be guys coming up and punching me from my, from my duff patter, mate. That's what I'm saying. Listen, you can beat Charlie and that'll happen. Exactly. <laughs> After tonight, I know. No, I, I must admit, I, was, I saw the thing uh, Brady the other day announced his retirement. I've, I've lost touch with all the, uh, the, the the NFL stuff. I liked it when I was I was younger, but um, I was, was it a 340 million or something deal for 10 I, years? I, I mean, he's, he's, he's chucked it. I, I, I do wonder whether he'll get through the summer and think to himself, actually, maybe I was a wee bit hasty. Um, I, to be honest, though, I think I think this season, he he knows himself he's been found out. I mean, he was, he was he's, he's, been, he's been taking hits from people who he hadn't been formally introduced to at any time in his career, you know, previously. Aye. And yeah. I think that's that's the time to basically call it a call it a day when when you're when you're you know, you're staring into the eyes of guys who ten years previously wouldn't have got close to you and, you know, wouldn't have touched you or laid a glove on you. I think it's time to basically say, right, enough is enough. I'll just retire to my my rather splendid castle that I live in. Aye, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not bad, is it? I, mean, I suppose, but it's forty-five years. I suppose he's he's done quite well. Uh, well, he's done. Really, I mean, he's done really well, given given the collateral damage that some of these guys take, and how aye. how long a career might be or might not be. Um, if you put it that way, I think to, to get to the age of forty-five, he's been blessed in in many ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think. Uh, Given the the flack that uh, Neil McCann uh, was getting the, the, last, the last couple of days, he he might be thinking he's worth uh, he should be getting about three hundred forty million dollars uh, to to carry on with his career. But yeah. we'll, we'll get we'll get into the meat of that uh, later on, Stuart. But just to kind of set the tone in a light-hearted fashion, if you will, what's your kind of uh, favourite moment in the, the the ancient art of goal scorers taunting opposition fans? There's been a few classics in the years. What's your kind of favourite off the top of your head? I think if I think if you want a masterclass, I'll just pick on one person um, in terms of how many different ways he found to celebrate goals against so many different sets of supporters. I think Ian Wright at Arsenal. 
was in a it was in a class of his own. I mean, you honestly, I mean, I, and I, I had a chance to watch him, you know, quite a few times during the the late of the nineties. I just think he was a different class. He had a different a different stunt for every you know set of fans that he came across. Um, I remember him against Nottingham Forest, an FA Cup tie. I remember him against Leeds United when when he really was working it up them and you're thinking to yourself this could get really interesting this is one of these days where he scores four goals never mind two and um, I, I think he was just a, a kind of past master in it my favourite celebration of all time Chick Charlie scored for Partick Thistle against Airdrie at the time when Firhill had a rather large swathe of the terracing that couldn't be used and Chick ran to the empty terracing and, and basically said <laughs> Celebrated in front of an empty terrace, looking for the adulation of stanchions and 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 basically you know and posts, nothing else, not a <laughs> single individual. And I, I thought, given how important that goal was in that particular game, I was, uh, from from a penalty spot, I just I just think they actually do that just just to give you a bit of class. Brilliant. Uh, I think I, it's, you probably thought it was back at Hamilton Ackies with the, the, the crowd was in front of at that point. Um, I, I think, I think that, I mean, the classic, obviously, Emmanuel Adebayor, I think uh, folk will remember when he, he left Arsenal uh, to, to, to go to Man City and uh, scores against the Arsenal. It must have been getting a bit of stick in between times uh, for the Arsenal fans because he scored up the, the home end. Uh, the, the, Man City and ran the fall into the park to celebrate in front of the not too happy Arsenal fans. But one I remember, an absolute classic, uh, it was Jamie Vardy. Um, just I think it's just maybe the season before Leicester uh, won the league. And there's a bit of a kind of Midlands derby going on with West Brom there. You know, West Brom, obviously, their, their big rivals are, are Wolves. Um, I think Vardy just is a, a kind of wind up merchant. But I remember him celebrating. It's going to crack and go in the home end, the, the Hawthorns out in the home end. And run up and kind of celebrate in front of these fans. The, the crowd was kind of sparse because he's celebrating in front of these two guys who are like eventually up out their seat and just giving them the vickies and what have you. But it was like exactly a season later. He scored into the same end. The and he ran guys up were and there. He's <laughs> on his face saying, Oh, it's you again. Aye, it's, it's me as well. Get it right. It was clever that way. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I think for a lot of guys, it is, it is actually their fuel. But, but looking at that, uh, uh, the game on Wednesday, uh, Stuart, I think, I, I don't know, Rangers seem to be. A bit of crossroads going into that one. You know, the, the results were there, but we're all starting to get worried that the performances, uh, from being kind of understandably mid-range because of a, a new manager coming in, they were actually starting to go a bit backwards at the, the two games uh, against St. Johnson. I thought it was absolutely breathtaking the other night. And I'm just starting to wonder. I was ranting and raving about it at the time. You know, I thought it was the best performance I'd ever seen. Obviously, it's getting a bit OTT about it. Is that because... <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to look at the mitigation here. You know, um, is this because we've not seen a performance like that for a while? Um, yeah. I think. I mean, we went to we went to Hearts earlier this season. We won four 0 under Geo. Uh, that's been kind of forgotten. Um, we've got a great record against Hearts the last year or so, anyway. But and I think Hearts have been accused. Robbie Nielsen's been accused of setting up too open uh, against us uh, on Wednesday. Uh, but are we right to feel it was a kind of significant performance? And uh, and and why? Why would you think this 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 might be the only time in this podcast you will ever hear reference to Rossini and Wagner? Okay. Oh, go for it. Okay, but Rossini said of Wagner that he has lovely moments, but awful quarters of an hour. <laughs> and and I often thought that about Rangers for for weeks. I, 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 you know. I know classical music might not be everybody's taste, and um, you know, some might like the nineteen sixties, other might like the six. No, I'm not going there. Uh, but you know, it was. I, I I just think that that sums up Rangers. They can be absolutely genius and magical and wonderful for a minute or a couple of minutes, and then you ask yourself the question: Why can you not do that again? Um, and I, I, maybe not so much under. I think the the. the kind of struggled a wee bit to find a kind of identity with under Beal just now. I think under Van Bronckhorst, it was just boredom personified on many occasions. Um, but uh, on, on Wednesday night, now, Rangers were, Rangers were bang on it from the off. And, and I have really struggled to remember a time when domestically, I know Rangers have done this in European ties when they've started with a buying and they've been flying and 
you know, had halftime results that you sort of double check the television um, to make sure it's 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 correct. But I I have struggled to re- remember a game where Rangers started so confidently and and so aggressively and had a real desire about them and and continued all the way to half time without actually really easing up or letting off. And you know, and I, I mean, you might you might be able to help me help me in this one, but I have honestly struggled. I mean, I, I've, I'm going way back in time to to try to recollect some of these games. I remember, I remember it was it when Loudrop was in the team at Dundee United once. They were sort of four nothing up at half time, and it was like this could be this could be twelve or fourteen by the end of this game if they keep that up. But but performances like that, I mean, even even with some of the best. Ranger sides in the last 30 years have been few and far between. I just thought it was a really a really good team performance and one that which no doubt come the next time they maybe had a sticky patch, you might be asking yourself, why can you why can you do that against Hearts on a wet a wet, you know, January night or uh, February night? What's stopping you doing it in front of your own crowd? Aye, and, and and to paraphrase a, a famous expression, a, a famous anecdote about the about the opera there. I think it, we had been uh, played was Bel Canto the other night, as opposed to Can Belto, which, which it had been <laughs> for the for the previous year. So I'm the same, Stuart. I was struggling. I, I got to the point where I was talking about the uh, these first seven minutes we had at Rugby Park when we won the league there Aye, in 2011 that, under Walter for a that start is, like that, that is absolutely that is a, 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 absolutely but that that is that shows you how far back mm. you are going to recall something like that where uh, where it's almost in disbelief that you actually realise how, how well we're playing and I thought I thought that on, on on Wednesday night, and it may have been it may have been the shock of the performance. It made it may struggle to come up with a, a a parallel or a similar performance. But I, I thought Rangers were actually. I, I, it's not a word I use too regularly, but I thought Rangers were outstanding in the first forty five minutes. I think the, the, the pace, the tempo. I mean, we had well, during uh, fifty five season, we had particularly at home. Um, I think I remember the three nothing against St Mirren the, the day where we all but clinched the league and the Celtic dropped the points the next day. It was like we were ruthless, we were phenomenally mm-hmm. intense uh, in those games, and we had some fantastic performances that season. Like Blondin United away four 0 I think twice at Ibrox a four 0 four one. You know, doing Aberdeen the day we actually lifted the trophy. But I, I think also, as you say, coming into it, the way we've all been feeling just now, the results are there, the performances is, aren't there, and I think it was like a crossroads. I think we felt mm-hmm. as if if we don't get a performance soon. The results are going to start going backwards. But the football, yeah. no, it was it wasn't just the overall performance. The football was really attractive as well, and I, I, and I think, you know, I think that, I think that, I, I think that, can I surprise a few people? I think it took Hearts by surprise. I think I, Hearts were thinking that we'll we'll keep it tight and we'll make it difficult for Rangers and we won't, you know, to use the age-old phrase, we won't lose our shape and we won't allow them to play through us. And bish, bash, bosh, Rangers are going through them like a, a, a butter, uh, or a knife through butter. I mean, it was really, um, it, it was really impressive stuff. I mean, look, we, we did have, we've got players returning from injury. You know, and there's, there's new signings now coming in. They're starting to kind of you know, breathe in the neck of the old guard. And obviously, Michael Beale's methods seems as if they're finally kind of they're getting through to to the players. Um, I mean, in fairness, that they, they have been playing for Beale. You can see that that they've been changing slowly, but it seems as if like his kind of long term vision is is, is finally uh, starting to kick in. But you think there was was there any other reason for this sudden kind of upping of the, the this dramatic upping of the performance level? I th- there's a bit of me that says that actually that is kind of the the start or the the, the manner um, in which Bill wants Rangers to play, and they did it from the first whistle. I think too often Rangers find themselves, you know, twenty minutes into a game, half an hour into a game, they haven't scored, or they find themselves a goal down. And chasing the game, the semi-final against Aberdeen, I would say, you know, that was a, when I kind of, a, a kind of classic example of that. That, you know, you could have made you could have made life so much easier for yourself if you hadn't lost the first goal. And I, I and I think it, it may be just 
things as simple as that, Alex. I think uh, you know if if you if you start the game well and you get off to a, a start a, a decent start with a, an early goal, I think it makes life so much easier. Um, and I think we saw that in Wednesday night. It was the tempo, the appetite, the desire. Yeah, yeah. The it was just, it was just all there. Everyone wanted to see. Um, I think everything we always want to see for the Rangers team, but other things that hadn't been apparent despite the results were there, and they were there from the off. It was it was absolutely scintillating. You're quite right what you're saying. I mean, there's no new, I don't think there's any neutrals in Scottish football. I've yet to find one, but if there was watching that game the other night, we'd just been thoroughly entertained uh, watching Rangers. I was eventually once we put it to bed at three now, I could I could start to relax, you know, knowing that it wasn't going to go backwards like a few of the other uh, performances have recently. But it was it was fantastic. Just just to touch on that, I think there was a, I, I think there was an element though at two 0 I think Hearts were Hearts were still up for the fight, but I think Hearts had been had taken such a pounding in the first half that there was a kind of fear factor with them, uh, and it was playing in the back of their mind that. If we have a go at Rangers, they could really take us apart and we could suddenly find ourselves down by four or five just to try and just to try and pull one goal back. I think I think I think the you know, such was the dominance of Rangers in that first half. I think it really you know delivered a hammer blow, not just in the scoreline, but to the confidence um of, of Hearts, especially given the fact again that Hearts are playing at home. And I think it's particularly pronounced when I, te- I think Robbie Nielsen's obviously told them we can we can have this tonight. And I think mm-hmm. they'd set up to, to, to go for it. And uh, like, we've done the NFL, we've, we've done opera, we might as well throw in a bit of military history. I couldn't help <laughs> how far I was taking it the other night. Six day war, 1967. That's it. About seven different Arab nations line up, think we're going to wipe Israel off the face of the map. And within six days... Israel hasn't he just beat a lot of them. It's taken so much territory that it's actually doubled in size. And they stole their tanks. And they stole their tanks and ended up building better Russian tanks than the, the Russians had. Totally, man. And I feel as if that's what it was with the Jambos the other night. They'll think that it's I think it's when you have confidence and you're going to go for it and you aren't allowed to get out your own box. Right. The way we kept them pinned in there, I thought um Kamara and Lundstrom in particular were just this just sitting behind the main kind of attacking miasma going on up the top end of the park. And they were just, every time Hearts got any chance of relief, just managed to get the ball clear in any way, they were putting it right back in there. You know, not so much like back into the mix, it was like a blender. They were just destroying them. It was it was fantastic to watch. And one of the things is, I, I'm, I'm no great tactical expert. I've no, I've no been reading up on this one um, the way I should have the, the past few days. I've just been kind of sitting back and, and enjoying the, the afterglow of that performance. I'm still confused about, in the best possible way, I'm still confused about our formation. I think it was reported as a kind of 4-2-3-1 in the BBC website. Well, uh, Morelis uh, and Sakala seem to be playing as a two at some times, but the, the movement, it was, it was I, phenomenal. I, I, at different times, um, I, I thought at different times that Rangers were playing almost like 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. Do you know what I mean? I, you had yeah. two holding players and the two two guys that could roam, and then playing two guys up front. Other times, I thought that that it was almost like uh, a a sort of four one four one, mm-hmm. where you had a, a focal point in attack, but you had guys coming from different directions and joining that attack, and and I actually just swamped the midfield. I I, I thought I, I thought it was a I thought it was an interest, uh, interesting performance in as much as just just uh, the fact we're actually talking about this, that you couldn't actually work out, even from afar, what, what sort of formation Rangers were actually playing. And I think if, you, if you're looking at a game kind of overall and from above, if you're struggling to see where, or where Rangers are coming from and what sort of their approach is and what their tactics are, imagine if you were at ground level and you're Robbie I, Nielsen, and your hearts try to work that one out. I think that'd been a hell of a lot more difficult. That's it. Because I think we had with Sakala coming back in, you know, and uh, Cantwell going back to the bench. I just thought it was a straightforward case of Sakala's going to be in that kind of wide right berth he, he's been occupying. And um, Tillman would move back in and sit behind uh, Alfredo. And I said, that, what a revelation that, he's been. You know, it's, oh, almost, it's almost like. I mean, you hear it with managers and, and coaches and, and the likes that guys are on the peripheries and on the fringes. And it's like, 
all you're needing is somebody to put an arm around about you and say, I really believe in you. I really, I really trust in you. Mm-hmm. I mean, other managers have done it in the past and, and, and used different tactics. You know, you know, famously Ali McCoy's record goal scorer, he thought he was going in loan to Cardiff before the the the, the League Cup final. Big Jock Wallace had convinced him that he got a phone call from Cardiff and it was touch or go whether he was going to let him go or play in the cup final. And McCoy's <laughs> turns up and scores a hat trick and never looked back. And it's it, it's that kind of psychology. And I do wonder, um, you know, Sakala he's always been a player who's played with a smile on his face, even when it's going horribly wrong. Mm. But I, I think just now there's a newfound confidence. And I think that, I mean, that can only come from the manager or the management team basically saying, you go for it. Aye. And I think I think that management team, um, Bill being part of the management team that first brought him to Ibrox, I think that's that's obviously uh, there's a, an extra layer of trust there. And, and Gio, I don't think he, I don't think Flash would ever have got over the fact that he'd come on in the Europa League final and then he took him off, you know, as well. That was a, a wee bit of humiliation, I think, for Flash, it's kind of un, unfair on him. But talking about Gio, um I think something that Colin and I were had been mentioning a lot uh, at our post-match pod over the last year. I'd been talking about the fact that I don't mind if I don't know how Rangers are playing, how Rangers are setting up, but it looked at times like the players, especially our attacking formations, didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. Um, complete opposite the other night. I couldn't keep up with what we were doing, but the players, it's because the players knew exactly what, what they were doing and it was absolutely mesmerising to watch. So do you think, um, bit corny, but can we call kind of 1945 hours uh, Wednesday, 1st of February? Is that, is that time of death on the, the Geo horseshoe? Uh <laughs> Well, I've, I've I've thought that actually since he departed, it was it was something that slowly but surely I I think I think somebody's set up the best of my furnace and melted it a while ago. I think that I think the, the horseshoe there's only a scrap value to it. You can just say you were going to pin it against the wall and it bring you luck. I think there's a scrap metal uh, value to it, um, and 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 that's it. It's it's now gone. It's now bill ball, and um, you know. Whatever derivative he wants to try thereafter, but I think I think it's well and truly gone, just by the level of that kind of performance. And I know people will say, "Well, you haven't, you know, you haven't made up any ground on the league leaders, and it's just another three points which you were expected to get." But uh, there was an air of confidence that I have not seen for a for a hell of a long time, actually. I think you actually you would have to go back. You'd have to go back to almost like certain periods in in Gerard's tenure to actually see a Rangers team that confident, or or confident and confident in their own ability, and also confident enough in in seeing through the game plan. Aye, and I think I think they needed to, to kind of clear the air almost because I think there's there's been a. A kind of personality, split personality thing going on. They've been struggling, I think, in, in, in the, the, the previous games under Bill between what Bill wants them to do, what they were under Gerard. I think they've been thinking with Bill, oh, we're going to go the kind of Gerard style again. Um, and also what Gio had, you know, had in their bones uh, f- for a good year. It seemed like it was completely the, the, the Bill thing the other night, completely uh, his team now. They're finally looking towards that, that, his kind of vision for them. And do you think also, even we're playing fantastically under, under Gerard uh, during the 55 season? This, the team, this, the players, the, the attacking lineup. You, you knew where everybody was, and that, that was quite kind of not not stayed, obviously, but you knew everybody's positions. Do you think this is a sign? This kind of fluidity we've got up front now that you know, if we were worried, Beal is definitely his own man. He's definitely this is, this is his vision. It's it's markedly different from Gerrard's. The only, the only thing I would say about that fluidity and and that kind of openness is that if it doesn't go right for you, it you kind of look a bit silly at times mm. you know it's almost like we've got this we've got this fantastic you know we've got this playbook and we're just going to go through page by page by page by page and if it doesn't work for you you know I think there's a bit of a claim down when all of a sudden you're sticking one of your centre backs up front and lumping high balls into him to try and get a knockdown and, and you know but listen I- it's worked you know you and I are old enough to remember it working for a great many um, different managers, you know, and and me in particular as well, you know, remembering guys like, you know, Derek, Derek Johnson, even when he was playing centre-back, suddenly being utilised as a striker. Richard Goff, famously as well, 
you know, under under Sunis, um, basically, you know, the the the, the kind of whistle and the <laughs> you, the way with the finger, you get up there, and you know, Graham Roberts as well. I mean, I just I I happen to see the, the I mean the the three three league cup final against Aberdeen. If you look at the 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 challenge that Graham Roberts puts in on Willie Miller to get the, the knockdown for the for the equaliser. I mean he's like a an NFL linebacker that the, the smacky gives him. It's like I'm going to win this ball and I and I'm going to go right through you if I have to. And so it, I mean it's a tactic that works, but I think if you're if you're putting your, your game together as as well um and as precise as Rangers did the other night there, there's no need for that. And I thought big big corner um when he was supposed to have been handling the ball in the box and the hearts of, the hearts players are kind of protesting and he starts waltzing the right sided centre half starts waltzing up the left wing plays a one two he can't well next thing he's having a he's having a shot at uh, Xander Clark to try and make it four now I thought that was the ultimate there was a bit thought, there was a bit I was I was almost Amoruso esque wasn't it exactly you know, right. I'm 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 actually I'm actually Zola or Ambaggio and you know I'm I'm going to show you how to do this it was like what are you doing you know. I know. Back, get get back. It was enjoying it, I, I, really enjoying it, and it was it was kind of contemptuous. But um, and big uh, big corner when uh, he set up Tillman for the second goal. Of course, he was right in the face of the, the heart supporters. But the big story, the VAR had a great night um, the other night. All oh, the decisions correct in VAR, so we had to get another controversy. And uh, luckily, Alfredo Morelos scored Can a I just couple say, of goals. VAR actually worked. That's how it's supposed I, to work. I, and yet, yeah, I mean, you know, you're still getting the whole thing about people still not being happy. That that is how VAR is supposed to operate. Aye. So, I mean, you know, credit where credit's due, I suppose. But no, you're right. I mean, the the Morelos controversy. Um, I mean, he, he does take the flag. He does take the stick. He brings a lot of it upon himself. I would have to say. Um, but uh, I think. At best, I think some comments were unwise um, by one or two pundits, and I'll, I'll, I'll be absolutely honest here and, and put you know put my cards on the table. There's a bit of me that actually felt I wouldn't say sorry, but I I kind of understood maybe Neil McCann's frustration because I think I think anybody who's watched Rangers over a, a, a period of time have maybe felt that those frustrations themselves watching Morelos. He, by playing the game, he brings enough attention on himself without bringing more attention to himself, if you see what I mean. And I know he, and I, you know, I tweeted it the other, you know, his, his, his celebrations were so bad that he, he, he didn't, you know, uh, he, he didn't incur the wrath of, the John, even John Beaton. I mean, even John Beaton didn't see anything wrong with it. But on, on another day, on another evening, he could well have had a booking, and I, I maybe say not, not maybe maybe two. But you know, if if he's maybe picked up a yellow card somewhere else, and then he goes and does that, it costs it costs him, and it costs the team again. And I and I just think, you know. Maybe he should. Maybe he should just wise up a wee bit. There's other ways he's celebrating. I mean, do an Adebayor. You know, run the length of the pitch to get in front of your own supporters. Um, I, I know he wouldn't have had to run very far, to be honest. At Tynecastle, given the, it looked as if there were a hell of a lot more Rangers fans there than anything. But I, I, I do think he maybe he, he needs to he needs to wise up there and and take the adulation of his teammates. Without trying to wind up the 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 fans, although I, I did I did uh, enjoy one or two Willie Vassy's photographs of uh, Morelos on his knees in front of the Hearts fans. One or they two, happy. one or I, I I think I think that's putting it mildly. I think one or two of them looked as if they were just about to explode like a Chinese spy balloon over America. You know, I, I think I think the the the. The, the veins in the neck sticking out and then there was a, a picture halfway and if you look to pan through all this sort of crowd there's a wee woman sitting with a big smile on her face and I think you're behind enemy lines there <laughs> you've been dragged to this you've been dragged to this game but you're actually a closet a closet blue nose even though you're wearing a, a, a jambo's hat but anyway no I, I mean I, I, listen the, people's opinions will be divided I, I just think it, one, he doesn't have to do that, and he and he should maybe be boxed a wee bit 
cleverer after all the grief he's incurred in the last, you know, three in a bit years or whatever it is, I think I think he should maybe smart smarten up and wise up a wee bit, or somebody in the team should just say, "I see you don't need to be doing this." Aye, I, I, I've got to be honest. I mean, at the time I was watching the game in the, in the Loudon because obviously it wasn't it wasn't the telly, so I had, to, I had to go to the pub. Um, absolute chore to go to the pub uh, on a school night and watch the game, but. When I saw him doing it, and I was so I was just wanting that third goal, and because you got the, the delay, the extra drama with, with VAR, uh, kind of looking it over, and we get the third goal, and I saw him running, and I knew where he was going, and I'm actually standing in the pub, and I, I put my hand out, I was like, no, I'll just as if I was trying to push him back, no, I'll be don't do that. But to be honest, I was just worried about him getting booked. I could, I mean, one of the things about 2012, don't like to go back to it too often, but uh, it kind of radicalised me in a nasty way. I was always one for, you know, for the years before that, I was always like, we're a massive club, you know, we're going to take stick just for being Rangers, you know, don't don't worry about it, it's just a sign that, no, the, the big clubs, we're there to be kind of lashed out at and to be everybody's villains. But the heart supporters, they're everybody, you know, Celtic fans, Aberdeen fans, Hibs fans, they've just been doing what they've always been doing since 2000. But the Hearts fans, that wee song of theirs, I don't like to give them the credit, but, you know, the Hearts, the Hearts, Rangers died and the Hearts survived. It really gets to me because I think of how much I was worried about Hearts when they were in trouble. Um, think about us applauding them around the pitch in 98 when they won the Scottish Cup. Um, and I just think about standing that kind of death trap of an away end they had for, for years before they, before they kind of uh, refurbished Tynecastle. But, I must admit, in that respect, I'm just like, all right, Alfie, do, he's kind of doing one for all of us. Just get it running, so to speak. <laughs> you know, have a bit of that back. It's a classic football thing of fans dishing it out, absolutely terrible, and they kind of take it when they get a bit back. Um, I know I know you're telling me that fans dishing it out, but, I, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to know, I mean, he can be quite feisty at times, uh, Neil McCann, having taken one or two phone calls from him in the past. Aye. Um uh, and having seen other people taking phone calls from him, he speaks his mind. But I think on on that one, if if you're going to say that, then you have to be consistent. And levels of criticism that could have been levelled at other people have been non-existent. So why, you know, why suddenly pick a? Is it is it is it because you're in like your old club, um, watching your old clubs? Um, I, I I don't know. Um, I think I, I mean I, I think I think maybe one or two have gone overboard as well, and and you know and saying you know we employ him and 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 the likes and he does Rangers games and all the rest of it. I, I think you know anybody who's thinking that he should be you know taking outside with a service revolver and never never allowed to come back in, I think that's going a bit overboard. I think and it's I, and I, and again, I go back to the point I made right at the start. There's a bit of me that I'm not saying about. Um, I, I would have put it couched it in different terms. There's a bit of me actually agreeing with Neil McCann Aye. that Marella should actually be above that. And and that that bit of it is still a concern. Even in your moment of glory, you're still running a risk of upsetting a referee. Aye, that's the thing. Alf- Alfredo has exasperated us all. You know, mm-hmm. every Rangers fan, and there's a there's a fella, um, one of the more sensible shouters uh, at Ibrox that sits a couple of rows behind me. Um, he'll only shout something, but it's absolutely pertinent. He's always spot on. And uh, Alfredo, you're an, no idiot. Calling, then. Alfie, no... you're an idiot. Alfie, you're an idiot. There's no call, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm surprised I can't hear him. He's in the govern, but um, he gives it some call. And I could probably hear him as well if I listened hard enough. But no, the big fella behind us, that's, that's the one for years. You're an idiot, Alfie. And it's obviously, it's meant with affection. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, that kind right. of thing. Where it's like you're talking to a kid or something. Um, and I think there's two aspects to this. I think the treatment of Alfredo, just by the media, you know, the, 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 um, I think by a lot of pundits, I think it's kind of a lazy editorial line. It's something to jump on the back of. I think it became borderline uh, racist almost, but if, if nothing hypocritical, definitely. And that Scott Brown, for example, me first come back up, into the top flight was being, you know, what a character. He's a total wind-up merchant. And we had the pundits, Craigans, Andy Walker, whatever, all telling us that Rangers had to wise up, especially in old firm games. We're getting battered in old firm games when we come up and Alfredo arrives a, a, a year after we come back up. He's got to wise up. He's got to learn how to, you know, kind of get more streetwise. He's basically been encouraged to behave the very way he's been behaving of late. I never saw Scott. I think Scott Brown was physically unable to celebrate 
any moment without goading somebody, be it an opposition supporter or a, an opposition player. And I never really had a problem with that. You know, I just I, I was bothered that Rangers players didn't know how to deal with somebody who was so kind of uh, fragile and self-aware. Didn't know how to just wind them up and, and, and get them get them sent off. But yeah, I think there's that aspect to it where Alfredo's been treated unfairly and he's he's kind of representing Rangers really with that just like every every supporter of other major clubs in this country wanted us dead. Um, so I'm quite happy for him to to taunt them as long as he doesn't get himself into trouble. But also Neil McCann, for me, is an absolute Rangers legend and a, and a lovely guy as well and mm-hmm. a you know a passionate guy. This wasn't a Chris Sutton or this kind of uh, rent a controversial quote type of uh, pundit who was just saying something for the sake of it. Neil meant it. You know, I just, he meant I just it wondered and it was, how much... Heart, and that's all, for, that's I, all right by me. I, I wondered, actually, Alex, I wondered how much of it was born out of a frustration that even even when the even when everything's going for you, you've still got to act like this. When really you don't, you you, you don't. You can actually you know rise above that kind of thing and go and do your own thing. But again, you know, I think I think we I think we, uh, I think we might have reached a stage where it wouldn't matter what anybody said to um, Morelos, he'll he'll just continue to do his own thing and live with the consequences. That's it. That's it. I, I just, I thought, I thought that some of the treatment, some of the, the comments about Neil McCann on the Rangers Twitter, this were a bit kind of hysterical and uh, pretty much amnesiac as well, because this is a guy who's won three league titles, four Scottish Aye. Cups, two League Cups, and I, I, when Neil McCann was at Rangers, my, my season ticket was up the back of the government for about twelve years, and uh, four or five of the years, I'm sitting there every second half at Ibrox, no matter if Neil, if Martin Neil Celtic or winning all the trophies, watching Neil McCann. You know, linking up with like Arthur Newman, Ronald De Boer, you know, Alberts. It was an absolute privilege. He was a fantastic footballer. And when he was on Rangers TV at a time when we couldn't get into the stadium and Rangers were, you know, bringing home the, the most important league title in all our lives, um, the, the, him and Emma Dodds, the wee rapport they had gone, it, it, they, were, they were bringing it bringing it to us and they were absolutely fantastic. I think he's a genuine guy. It comes across um, in his comments. And, and for me, I disagree with what Neil was saying the other night. But that that's the end of it. I think it's the end of it for Michael Beale as well. And uh, I hope that is just uh, the end of it for everybody. You know what I mean? Except Alfie. I hope he uh, keeps scoring <laughs> goals. But, no. So I'm going to quickly ask you, that's, that's the, trans- the transfer window shut. Um, uh, John and Craig dealt with this uh, Tuesday night. It just shut a few hours after the pod they had uh, on Tuesday night. Um, two players in, Charlie McCann being the only kind of notable, semi-notable uh, departure. Was that, do you think it was a good transfer window for Rangers? Listen, I have I have heard that asked for every single club and every single probably every single hour since the transfer window closed. Was it a good, you know? Um, I'm just I just cast an eye to the side here and and watch Chelsea, you know, who spent three hundred and twenty three million pounds and currently are drawing nil nil at home against. Against Fulham, sorry, uh, you know, especially uh, watching American football. Was that good? Was that good? Well, I've looked at that direction. I see one thing. I've looked at this direction. <laughs> I see something completely different. But no, I mean, sorry, who, who, who can say? I, I think you always have to give this a matter of weeks and maybe even months to see just how um, players fit in. I'll give, I'll give you an example, right? Tillman currently the way he's playing if you go back a matter of weeks ago but people asking what the hell is he doing at Rangers now the fact it's taking him so long to to make an impact or to come on to a game that actually looks like he's playing his game rather than some a, a game that somebody's conjured up for him mm-hmm. I think tells you how difficult it is to bring players in and introduce players I've seen guys coming in and their, their, their debut and all the rest of it and scoring a couple of goals and you think right you know here we go they're just at Rangers at other clubs and you think here we go this guy's got to make a you know a name for himself and that's as good as it gets so I think the, 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 the you have to think that you know Michael Beale has seen um has looked at the Rangers team and has seen the deficiencies in it and how he can correct that. Therefore, the players who have arrived are going to be asked to 
perform a specific role. It's not like other teams where, and I refer to Chelsea again, who look as if they've got six wingers and still don't have a striker. It looks as if there are gaps in that Rangers. I still think going forward, I still think that Rangers need a goalkeeper. You either bite McCrory at whatever age he is and say, right, we're going to go with you and persevere with you because we think you've got the makings of it, almost like a kind of, almost like a Chris Woods when he was at Nottingham Forest under, you know, playing behind Shelton. But in terms of the League Cup, he won a, he won a League Cup medal while still a reserve, goes on to bigger and better things and ultimately Rangers fans saw just what a great, you know, goalkeeper he was. I think you've got to bite the bullet in this one. I, I have never, you know, he may be a really lovely guy. I've never seen McLaughlin as anything more than a deputy or a backup. And that was to a McGregor who was still at the top of his game. And I don't think for the last 18 months you could really say he's been on the top of his game. He has made the saves at different times, but equally he has been culpable and liable for several goals that Rangers have conceded over that period of time. So I think I've never saw anybody I I didn't see Rangers make a a move for any goalkeeper during the January window, but I do think that's something that's going to have to be you know, resolved during the summer. I think that was that was the only thing. Maybe goalkeeper and maybe even a centre half given how but I had to laugh at how we were so light, you know, because in November, December, you know, this this squad's didn't bear bones and now we've got people complaining that we've got too many midfielders and uh, too, too many centre backs. That's it. Aye, we're, 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 we need to run a different. We need to have a different dressing room and a different bus for these guys just for the centre backs. That's it. We'll, we'll, we'll let the, the, the Twitter chat's going to move on to uh, just getting folk tied up. Morelis, Kent, and uh, Tillman, the contract talks. Well, there's permanently uh, talk about the personnel, whether it's a transfer window or not. But one guy who did arrive today, uh, unveiling Nicholas Raskin. Uh, Belgian under twenty one midfielder. Um, quite, I quite enjoyed that. That, that wee press conference he had today. He says he, he can play six or an eight. He's got he's a one or two touch player who, who breaks the lines, loves pressure, wants to win trophies, do well in Europe, and thinks that the title can still be won. Is this the, the greatest opening uh, kind of press conference by a player of all time? Um, if he plays yeah, half as well I, as he talks, we're going to have some player, aren't we? No, I think that was I think that was Jardell and Mrs. Jardell. <laughs> and it never really came, it never really came in. That's uh, just the photographs I, you're talking about, Stuart. I, I was just, just I was just a photographer. I've never seen as many <laughs> dis- disappointed photographers in all my days. But anyway, um no, listen, he, he looks as if he's somebody who has arrived at Ibrox and wants to play for Rangers. Yes. Which I think I've always thought that's a pretty good starting position. You know, and I go back to some of the, you know, the, your Arthur Newmans and some of the, you know, if you go back to his press conference when he arrived at Rangers, Van Bronckhorst, even when he arrived at Rangers, you know, different guys have, have come in and started to talk a good game. Why? Because they've got a bit of belief in their own abilities and, and can see how their own game might develop. And I think, you know, today's new arrival sort of falls into that, into that kind of, into that kind of category. Um, I think he's he's of the right age and he's the right age to really start to emerge, so to speak. And whether that's to emerge as a Rangers favourite and somebody who carves a career out in Glasgow or whether, like so many others, it's a three-year or four-year window these at Ibrooks until he goes on to different things or goes back to Belgium or whatever it might be or it doesn't work out for him time will tell Aye, and he said, well, do you, do you hear Bill saying he's here forever? So Aye, thought, I, that's a, that, that's I, a hell of a that's the, the Jim McLean contract That's 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 a Jim McLean 14-year <laughs> contract with an eight-year <laughs> option you know <laughs> Duncan Ferguson Duncan Ferguson just got a, a, a writ served on him the other day there when he found out he couldn't actually go to Forest Green Rovers because Dundee United still have a claim on him <laughs> you know what I mean it was uh, aye I, I, I think that's going back to the the, the kind of oh, I'm going to say the bad old days actually Chelsea signed guys in 8 year contracts but that's uh, more to, to do with the financial fair play and the juggling of that but um, no it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out and, and again, as I, as I mentioned uh, uh, a moment ago, who's to say that he, he's not the kind of player that turns up at Ibrox and suddenly 
carves out a career for himself and does stay at Ibrox for a while and actually make, makes a go of it because he likes the surroundings, he likes the team and he, he also likes the way his career is going. Yeah, it, it sounded, it, it, it is a kind of, a wee aura about him, you know, and it just, it, it's right up for it. It seems like he's as eager for this move as we are. And I, I always like, I like when a player comes in and actually gets you excited about well, I was wondering, I'm excited about. I was wondering, actually, if you've got somebody like that who's, to use the, the expression, a wee bit cocky and a bit, you know, I'm not saying overly so, but has got a bit of belief in his own abilities. I do wonder sometimes, uh, it makes you think, um, why, why, what are you doing at Ibrox? Why has nobody else looked at you? It was a bit, it's a bit, there was a bit of the kind of, um, you know, going way back to Marco Negri. When Marco Negri, you know, and you're obviously here to score goals. And all he said was, and I will. You know, and, and lo and behold, he did. But it was almost like he underplayed himself, um, you know, uh, he, he he's another guy that sort of knew what he could do, and if he could, if he scored a dozen goals in Italy at that time, you could certainly score two dozen in Scotland, um, and and I and I do just they're just a wee bit at the back of my, my my sort of thoughts that if you're everything you say you are and everything that other people have thought about you, what are you doing at Ibrox? Mm. Aye, I know, I know. It's, well, hopefully, hopefully, he'll prove that he's, uh, he's he's thinking spot on. He knows where the club to come to. Was it the big brother of Standard Liège? He said we were, you know, which uh, Standard Liège. We won the European Cup, Cup at the New Camp in 1972. Standard Liège lost the final at the New Camp in 1982. So I think that's, that's that sounds it was a perfect analogy he made there. And he's he's got it was the number 43 jersey because that's a postcode uh, of his Aye. Of his, of his home the, the first time I ever saw that was um, Liverpool played somebody. It was a Greek club or a Turkish club, I can't remember, in Europe. And the guy wore 64. And 64 was um, the area code on the number plates of the area that he came from. So he wore 64. You know what I mean? So there's a bit, ever since then, I thought to myself, you know, what's going into this this number? You know, I know you get your Beckham's with twenty three and the Michael Jordan's and all the rest of it, and and another guy's you know desperate to get to whatever number it is they want. But I I, I thought that was quite good. You know, his postcode is is uh, is is forty three. Well, good on you. Um, if he's as ambitious as he makes it, um, he should be going for the, the Rangers postcodes at fifty one. I think that'd be Alec Lowry. He's taking that off, so that's that's quite symbolic. I think you know. I or he's he's I, I mean listen the, the, it's always like you, you get guys and why did you pick that number and 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 it's like you're trying to be you know clever and you think there's a wee angle here and then the guy goes well it's only when it was left <laughs> basically that's basically what he's saying into but I better I better come up with a better story you know aye. if I just say it was only when it was left it doesn't sound too good if I come up with a, another. Aye. My daughter, my daughter's seventeen, seven years old, so I've got four plus three. Aye, that's the kind of stuff aye, we come out in it. I said, yeah, this is actually supposed to be a, a Ross County preview. I've been that, that busy reviewing the the, the the crazy week it's been. Uh, all things Rangers, Stuart. I forgot to mention tomorrow's game briefly. Uh, Ross County at Ibrox. We're obviously looking for Rangers to kind of prove that that was the, uh, just a one-off thing uh, at Tynecastle. We've, we've moved into another gear uh, this season. Ross County. Uh, they're having a terrible month. Have they won a game? I don't know. They've certainly drawn a lot of them, but they get out the Scottish Cup uh, on penalties to Hamilton Ackies. Um, no bad thing, I have to say. Yes, yes, you'd, you'd enjoy that one, wouldn't you? I did enjoy it, yes. Thoroughly. Aye, even, with, even without the help of Chick Charlie, they've the Scottish Cup uh, to the Ackies. <laughs> I feel like I know too well watching uh, watching Rangers the, over the years. Um, they also, I think they're one point off the, the relegation spots um, and the, both teams below them have got a game in hand. It's I not going well for I glance, at, I glance at the league table in all seriousness it's I find it I, I, I'll be honest I find it absolutely shocking and depressing this is this is everything Scottish if you look at the Scottish league table this is everything that other people try to deny you <laughs> know what I mean it's like you know, I know people have to eke out a living doing television and radio and writing newspapers and all the rest of it, and I maybe have to talk things up. But please, 
don't let that get in the way of the actual honest and hard facts that there, there are teams in the lower reaches of the top flight current in Scotland who are absolutely rank rotten. And I think you've seen that with the, you know, I think you've seen that with Scottish Cup results and, and some of the performances as well. I think, you know, it's almost like a race to the bottom. There are teams surviving in Scottish football just now because they're not quite as bad as those that are below them. And that's a terrible indictment of what's going on in Scottish football. I think as Rangers proved the other night, there's, there's more between the top two and third than there is between the, the, down to the, the middle of League One, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, it's, it's, it's a bit of an indictment. And Ross County looking so bad. A club who've never beaten Rangers uh, in a competitive match. We're absolutely buzzing after Wednesday night. Are we, are we set up for Michael Beale's first defeat? <laughs> <laughs> are we just asking I, for it? I, I, no, I know what you're asking for. You're asking <laughs> for a few choice comments once we go off here. No, I, I mean, I think... No, I don't. I, I, I think... Actually, I would I would maybe like to think that the Rangers players and the team that played on Wednesday night or whoever from that collective who are, are chosen to play against Ross County basically think to themselves, that's how we want to play the game. Let's kick on. Aye. Excellent. I think we'll, I think with that we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Uh, I just want to say a big a big thank you to Stuart uh, for his, his precious time and his valuable insight. Um, a massive thank you to all of you guys out there for for watching and listening. And don't forget to give us a like and hit the subscribe bell uh, if you like what we're doing here. And of course, we've also got the fantastic Jersnet website recently given a plush refurb where you can engage and chat about tonight's pod and all other matters Rangers in our friendly discussion forums as well as different a host of great articles penned by our esteemed band of contributors. Uh, talking about the heartbeat of Jersey Net myself, Mr. Colin Armstrong and my fat self will hopefully uh, have a bit of immediate post-match reaction uh, outside Ibrox tomorrow. And then on Sunday night uh, with the main pod, we're we'll back at 9.30 Sunday evening live on the YouTube channel. Uh, Colin will be in the chair and he'll be hosting uh, Gary Valentine and uh, Mr. Chris Jack. Uh, hopefully that, that's going to be a great show as long as they're talking about a, a great result. So please join us then, folks. But for now, thanks again to Stuart. Thanks very much, Stuart. And uh, thanks very much for you folks listening tonight. Good night. <laughs>